0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world.
1: You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com.
0: We're doing this series, this term, um, on the supernatural. And as part of that, we are... Uh, working through this uh, book here, The uh, Everyday Supernatural by Andy Croft and Mike Pilavacci. Uh, if you haven't got it yet, there are some on sale here today. Uh, if not, there's something called Amazon that you could uh, uh, use. And uh, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, just We, we want to make sure that we're all growing in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we realized this is the best resource out there on the subject, I thought, I wonder if Mike Pilavachi would come come and speak, but he's sort of the busiest person on earth, and uh, I wrote to him, and amazingly, he said he'd love to come, and so it's just a joy uh, uh, to have him with us this morning. Now, Mike, uh, as you know, uh, is the uh, co-pastor of Soul Survivor Church in Watford. And he's uh, also the founder of, of the Soul Survivor Festivals. If you've ever been blessed by a Soul Survivor, you've been, or someone that you love has been and been impacted by God, just give me a wave now. It's kind of, it's kind of like everyone except someone on the third row there. Uh, so um, Mike's legacy in this nation is impossible to quantify. But for almost a quarter of a century, He's been gathering tens of thousands of young people, leading them to Jesus, getting them filled with the Spirit and sending them out to do the stuff. I cannot begin to imagine the millions of stories that fractal out from Mike's personal discipleship and obedience to Jesus. and. It's therefore just truly a great honor to have him with us. And I'd love you to open your hearts to receive everything God's got for you from Mike. So, Mike, thanks for coming.
1: Thank you. Well, it's uh, an absolute joy uh, and privilege uh, to be here. I've heard much about what's going on here. And so I wanted an excuse to come and and have a look. Um, And it's just great to see uh, so many of you. And uh, what's a little bit frightening and what makes you realise you're getting old is is I keep meeting folk here already this morning who I've known for years and who I knew years ago. And it's like I look out and I see that. That's what happens when you get old. Uh, When you get old, um, it's like your past always comes back to haunt you. Um, I'm just checking the time. Um, so that we don't miss lunch, because that's very important to me. Um, uh, really just want just, to just talk uh, this morning uh, about uh, the fact that, that I believe the Scripture teaches that the whole ministry of Jesus is for the whole church of Jesus, uh, that it's for all of us, and uh, sometimes, and I'm uh, card carrying. If you want to give a label, charismatic, Pentecostal, all of that stuff, I, you know, all of that. But sometimes, in it, we have given the impression that the, the 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 ministry of Jesus, when it comes to ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit, is for the anointed few to be done to the many. And uh, I I believe that that is completely contrary to what the Scripture teaches. Uh, the, the anointing that was on him rests on you, plural. It, his anointing rests on all of us. And uh, I, I find sometimes the language we use about, you know, this, the anointed man of God or the anointed woman of God really hard. Because um, when I look in the Bible, um, there's, there's, th- th- Jesus is called the anointed one. Uh, Messiah or Christ and he's called the anointed one because I suspect there is only an anointed one there isn't an anointed two three or four and what happens is we share his anointing it's his ministry in us and through us it's it's what he continues to do what he did on earth he continues to do through his church and when it comes to the ministry of Jesus to quote a guy called John Wimber from years ago uh, God says we can all all get to play. The only rules are play nicely and share the toys, and uh, and and the main thing is to learn to play nicely. And as I've been thinking about it and trying to walk this out in my life and in the community that I'm part of, I've realised that there's a very key ingredient uh, that that we need to understand so that we can move in these things, so that we can see people's lives changed. And uh, I just want to talk about that really this morning. And uh, I want to begin in John chapter 2. Jesus' first miracle, when he turns water into wine at a wedding banquet, Um, uh, Jesus' mother, um, when the wine was gone, uh, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Just like any mum, isn't it? Um, they, don't, they don't tell you what, what they want. Uh, they just, uh, you know, it's, they don't say, can you bring the shopping in from the car? They say, oh, there's a lot of shopping in the car. <laughs> they, they don't say, can you load the dishwasher? They say, oh, the dishwasher needs loading again. Well, Jesus' mum was no different. They've run out of wine. And Jesus' response is, what's that got to do with me? Just like any teenager. And uh, in fact, what he says is this. Woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. And you know some of the translators of this scripture, uh, uh, they, they, they translate it dear woman because they don't want it to seem that Jesus is being rude to his mum. But in the original Greek, there is no dear. You know, it really is. Woman, what has this got to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And you know when I first read this, soon after I became a Christian, I thought that's a good line. So I thought, I'm going to use that. And then I remember when my mum next said to me, Michael, I want you to tidy your room. I looked her in the eye and I said, Mom, my hour has not yet come. <laughs> it didn't work. And, and, uh, uh, but that's what Jesus says. Now, listen to what happens next. His mother said to him, don't talk like that to your mum." No, she didn't. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you and that's the title of this morning do whatever he tells you uh, as an anglican talking to i don't know what on earth you are nonconformists you're 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 not even part of anything are you really you're not you're not even you're not anything are you you know you're, well anyway as an anglican talking to you uh, i want you know i want i want i want to i want to say let's listen to mary let's listen to mary when she says do whatever he tells you i believe with all my heart that is key that is key and and you know we translate do whatever he tells you into do whatever he tells you when it seems sensible do whatever he tells you when it makes sense do whatever he tells you when it's not too risky but that's not what Mary says. She said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And then the very next thing is he tells them to fill these big stone water jars full of water. Now, if I was one of the servants at that point, I might have said, excuse me, Jesus, were you not listening to your mum? Your mum said they've run out of wine. We have a wine deficit, not a water shortage. We've got loads. Of, we don't need any more water. The issue is not Perrier. It's chateauneuf de pape that's what we need to fix. And if I, I would imagine that if I had said that, Jesus might have said to me, did you not listen to what my mum just said to you? Do whatever I tell you. And they did what he told them, even though they didn't understand it, even though It didn't make sense. And uh, they feel that. And then the next thing he says is, now I want one of you to take a a cup full of this dirty water to the master of ceremonies. Can you imagine? This doesn't make sense. This is stupid. I'm going to get into trouble. But I think he glanced over and he saw Mary looking at him. And he thought, I better do whatever her son tells me. And a miracle happened. And I think a miracle happened in the place of obedience. I believe the anointing rides on obedience. Obedience is the key. Do whatever he tells you. And, and, and the thing with this is we sometimes have given the impression that in, in this stuff, it's, it's, it, it's kind of, you know, like easy. I, I don't know that it's ever easy. And, and it's being obedient in the place of vulnerability. You know, when I first became a Christian, I used to go to meetings with, you know, anointed men and women of God on platforms who seemed so sure of everything, and so, and they just had everything off power, and, and it frightened me because I thought, you know what, I'm nowhere near that, and I thought that's how it was until I got to stand on platforms, and I realized that's just so not how it is. It's in our weakness. It's in our brokenness, but, and, I, and to illustrate this, I just want to look at one story From the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. And Jesus has just fed 5,000 men with a little boy's picnic. And then we read, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And I've read this, I don't know, for 43 years I've been following Jesus. I don't know how many times I've read this, and it was, only, it was only some months ago, a year and a bit ago. I suddenly saw something I'd never seen before. It says, he made the disciples get into the boat. Apparently, in the original Greek, that, that's a strong thing. It wasn't a suggestion. He made them. It was something like this, get in the boat, go to the other side. Uh, excuse me, Jesus, but the boys and I, we've been on the internet and we looked at the weather forecast and it says it's going to be a bit stormy tonight and it's going to be dark. If it's all right with you, we're going to go in the morning. Get in the boat. <laughs> he made them get in the boat. He sent them deliberately into the storm. Sometimes the Lord deliberately sends us into storms. Why? Because he knows that it's in the middle of the storms that we can find the greatest intimacy with him, the greatest sense of closeness with him. It's in the storms when the miracles happen. And that's what exactly, exactly what happened here. So they were rowing, going to the other side, but then there was a whole load of wind and waves, and they got frightened. And it says uh, here, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And you know, so often, so often, when we're in the middle of the storms of life, so often when we're full of fear, we don't recognize Jesus when he comes to us. And it's the same with disappointment. Have you noticed how many times after the resurrection they didn't recognize Jesus? I mean, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. And that was dis- disappointment and fear cause us not to see Jesus. What did Jesus do? He spoke to them he spoke to them. Uh, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And you know when it says uh, here, he says two things, the same thing. Take courage and don't be afraid. And then in the middle, here's the key bit, it is I. Now, I, I don't know New Testament Greek. I've not really studied theology. I, I did, I think, three years at St. Militis and went to half the lectures and never sat an exam. And uh, um, anyway... Uh, so I don't know New Testament Greek, but I am Greek, and uh, and <laughs> <coughs> why is that funny? <laughs> and, and and you know the, the, it is I that that phrase it is I in Greek it's erō imē, and erō imē if you literally translated it it's it's me it's me, or I am I am erō me Ime, me. It's, it's me, me. It's I, I. And, and you see that all over the place. Did you know that in John's gospel, I found this amazing. In John's gospel, there are seven signs, seven signs that reveal who Jesus is. This, the, the wedding feast at Cana is the first one. And then there are seven signs I am sayings that Jesus says in John's Gospel. uh, I am the light of the world. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. Uh, I am the the, the gate for the sheep. Um, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I think I've got them. And and, and I might have said someone twice. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, But there are seven of them. Seven that, but did you know, I didn't realize this until I did a study of John's Gospel. Do you know there are seven other times in John's Gospel where it, hidden in the original Greek text is, is, is those words, ero ime. And because it doesn't make sense to translate it, it's me, it's me, the translators translate in a way that we can understand. And, and, and one of the first times is um, when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And, uh, and she says, when the Messiah comes, he will, he will show us where we should worship. And then he says, I who am talking to you, I am he. And that is, the Greek is ero ime, it's me, it's me, or I am, I am. And you know how God introduced himself to Moses at the burning bush. I am who I am. And, and there's six other, and, and the classic one of those is right at the end of John's gospel when the, when the soldiers come to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to arrest Jesus. And Jesus says, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And in our English Bible, it says, I am he. And then they all fall down. Do you remember that? Well, it's not I am he, is it? It's not, it's I am, I am. So, so he says to them, well, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am, I am. Oh dear, they've all fallen down. Oh, guys, let's help them up. Let me ask you again, who are you looking for? And you see here. He says to them, "He says, take courage, do not be afraid. Why? Because I am who I am, because of who I am. And then I love the next bit. I love the next bit, dear old Pete. And I think I think that Pete's like I'm like Pete, not in the sense of you know, The Rock or anything like that. Just because." I I open my mouth before my brain is in gear as well, and the sea gets excited, and he says straight away, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water, and I'm reading into the text, but I wonder, I wonder if Peter went, oh no, what have I just said? And then before he could take it back, Jesus says, come on then, and then I can imagine the other disciples looking at Pete, go on, (laughs) off you go, off you go, and then Pete's committed, Now, I have read this for years. And do you know how I read that passage? Here's how I read it. Peter starts walking on the water towards Jesus. And then he sees the wind and the waves. And then he, he starts doubting and he starts to sink. And he starts to go down and he's drowning. And then he says as he's drowning, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus dives into the water. He does the front crawl towards Peter. He gets beside behind him and he uses a life-saving technique that he learned at Nazareth swimming pool when he was younger. And he says to the disciples in the boat, quick, get the rubber ring, get the ropes, quick, help me, help me save Peter. Because Jesus is thinking, oh no, Pete's drowning, and I need him for the acts of the apostles. You know, so so quick, help me get him in the, in the boat. And so they, they quickly they get lift Peter up into the boat. And then Jesus, he's stripping wet he gets into the boat, and then he does mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on Peter. And as Peter's spewing water and coming back to life, Jesus says to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Have you noticed how often when we read this book, we give God an angry voice? We do, don't we? We nearly always err to, to giving him an angry voice. Now, that's not actually what it says where did I get that from? I don't know where I got that from. It's not what it says. And, and listen to what actually happens. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Do you know what happened? Jesus reached out his hand, he caught him and he lifted him up. And do you know what happened? Pete walked back to the boat, on the water, hand in hand with Jesus. In the midst of the storm, what greater intimacy? Walking on the water, holding hands with the Lord Jesus. Now, if they were holding hands, I cannot believe for a moment that Jesus was saying, you have little faith, why did you doubt? I suspect it was something like this. Oh Pete, you silly twit! You, you faithless one! Why didn't you trust me, Pete? You think I was going to let you drown, you idiot? Why did you, why did you doubt me, Pete? Come on, I, th- I suspect it sounded a bit more like that. And then they get back into the boat. Now, now, I've heard it taught, and I've taught it in the past that that was Pete's failure. He stopped looking at Jesus. He looked at the wind and the waves, and we mustn't look at the wind. We must look at Jesus, and then we won't sink, and that. I think it was Pete's great success. I I suspect he lived off that for years. I mean, at church planting parties, or cocktail parties, if you're an Anglican, you know. um, You know, uh, uh, at at all those parties, there would be, uh, someone would say, for years to come, Pete, Pete, tell us that story about how you walked on the water with Jesus. And I imagine Peter, oh, no, not again. Oh, I've told this story so many times oh, can I do it again? Okay, I'll do it one more time. Gather round, everyone. Gather round. Let, let me tell you about how Jesus and I walked on the water. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it was, what, what, what was it like walking on the water? Well, it was, I mean, it was firm, but it was bouncy. It was liquid, but it was, it was like a bouncy, firm liquid. I don't know how to describe it. Who else could describe it? There's, there's Jesus was with me, but he's gone to heaven now, and I'm the only one left on earth who could possibly describe what it's like to walk on the water? Yes, it it was like that. And, And did I tell you that Jesus and I, we were holding hands as we were walking on the lake. We were just walking along. We were holding hands together. And to this day, if I'm on, I can't be certain whether I was holding him up or he was holding me up. I mean, we were just we were just like that together, me and the Lord. And, and, and it was just amazing. Um, uh, 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 James, John, Andrew, is there anything you want to add to the story? Oh, no, sorry, I forgot. You never got out of the boat, did you? It was just me that got out of the boat. I think Pete, lived off that story for the rest of his life. And you know what? I've discovered that's exactly how it works. When you step out in obedience, you feel like you're sinking. To feel like you're sinking is normal. To feel like you're sinking is exactly how it is. And the trick is then to say, Jesus save me. Jesus help me. Jesus, would you come to me? And, and I, I, have, have you read, you know, I mean, it's every, every Christian who's a proper Christian's read the five love languages, haven't they? You know, and there's the five love languages, uh, you know, like um, this guy says that we've all have one of five love languages. Uh, touch, um, uh, gifts, um, words of encouragement, um, quality time, and that's the fifth one. Acts of service, yeah. Well, you know, now they've got the five love languages for married people, for engaged people, or pretty soon have one for blue-eyed people, I don't know. But anyway, there's the five love languages. And when I first was told that, and I was told that everyone has one of five languages and what they were, I panicked, because I thought, flipping egg, I've got one that, no, I've got a sixth love language. Food. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you love me. It means nothing to me. Take your love and stuff it somewhere. But offer, offer to buy me a shish kebab and I'm yours for life. And did you, did you know, did you know that God has a love language? His love language is obedience. If you love me, you will obey my commands, says Jesus in John 15. Also in John 15, he says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. You see, it's an invitation to intimacy. It's an invitation to intimacy. There's nothing like the intimacy when he says do something and you think this seems crazy, but I'm going to get out of the boat. I'm sinking. I'm taking in water. Jesus saved me. And then in the middle of the storm, you get to walk on water, holding hands with the Lord Jesus. The greatest intimacy happens in those moments. Now, I just, before I finish and we pray, I just want to tell you a few stories uh, about that. And, and, and I want to tell it honestly how it is, uh, not how I'd like it to be, but how it is. And um, partly, I'm, I'm going to tell you stories where it worked, because one of my hidden agendas is to look good um, with, <laughs> so you can buy the book and, uh, uh, but I'm just going to tell you honestly how it is a few years ago I just sensed the Lord saying to me uh, Mike, I want you, I, I want you to honour my spirit and I didn't understand what he was saying and I was like, but I do honour your spirit and he said, no, I want you to honour my spirit and being from an Anglican background I thought, well, let's add it to my charismatic liturgy so instead of just saying, come Holy Spirit I would say, come Holy Spirit, we honour you and the Lord said, no, that's not quite what I mean. You honour me by, by, by obeying. And I went through this struggle uh, because of my fear of failure. And I had to decide, you know what? My longing to see Jesus move in people's life is now greater than my fear of looking stupid. And so I made an agreement with the Lord. I'm going to go for it. And if I get it wrong, hello. And if 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 I if I get it wrong, <laughs> this is quite frightening. And if <laughs> and if I get it wrong, um, uh, then uh, uh, then then I don't mind. And so um, and so I decided to step out. And I, this is just a couple of stories, and then we're going to pray. The first one is uh, uh, a, a few years ago. After I decided this, I was in a meeting, and. Um, uh, and there were about 400 people, and uh, I, I just felt the Lord say to me, and when you say the felt the Lord say to me, you know, it wasn't like, hear ye, hear ye, God calling Mike, are you receiving me, tablet of stone on its way down, duck, you know, anything like that. It was like, I had, I had a thought that, I, that surprised me, it was like, gosh, that's an interesting thought, that doesn't seem like something I would think, that's either, it's either you or it's indigestion and in my case quite often it is indigestion but but the only way i'll know is by saying is by saying is by saying it and and what i've what i've realized is if you get it wrong nobody dies nobody dies but if you get it right someone might get blessed. So in this meeting, and this thought came into my head, there's someone here um, who has a fuzzy head on the left-hand side of their head, and it's it's like it comes on the left-hand side. It comes and goes, and they've had it for a long time. And immediately I thought, migraine. 400 people, odds of someone in 400 people that gets migraines, and he's got it now, because that's the other bit I had. And it's um, on the left-hand side, 50-50, 50% 50 chance. I like the odds. I'm going to go for it. And so, um, and that's the honest truth, but the Lord knows, the Lord knows what you're doing, doesn't he? And so I said it, and then, just as I was saying it, he popped in the last bit before I could stop, and before I could think about it, and the last bit was, and it's got something to do with your sister. And then I said it, and immediately I was furious with myself. You stupid idiot. You had a good one. You had a 50% chance of getting it right. And now it's got something to do with their sister. How can them getting migraines on the left-hand side of their head have something to do with their sister, you idiot? Does their sister hit them over the head with a frying pan? Uh." And then I turned round, and there standing there was this young lady... And I looked at her and I said, what are you doing here? And she said, that's me. And I said, and has it got something to do with your sister? And she said, yes. She said, it's not migraines or anything. She said, "Um, uh, I I was in emergency birth. I nearly died in the womb. I stopped breathing. And they got me out just in time and they resuscitated me. But in the moments that I wasn't breathing... um, Uh, I I got some brain damage, and one of the main ways it shows is I get this fuzzy head on my left-hand side. And then she started to weep, and she said, and the thing is, my twin sister didn't make it. She died in the womb. And then she said to me, she said, and for 27 years of my life, I felt guilty that the wrong sister survived, that I should have died so she could have lived. And she started weeping. And we could pray with her, and Jesus released her of the pain of that. Jesus, and and it was the most tender and wonderful and amazing thing, and that's how it works again and again and again. There was um. One of the most frightening ones was this, about three years ago, two two three two or three years two and a half years ago, um, at our momentum uh, event, um, I was just in the worship, this thought came into my head that horrified me. And it was, there's someone here who's having an affair with a pastor in their church. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I'm not going there. And, and I, actually, I actually said to the Lord, I actually said, said um, Lord, uh, that contravenes our guidelines. We do not give, we do not give negative words you know, we don't give negative words. And it was like, what am I supposed to do with that? I mean, I can't say there's someone here who's having an affair with a pastor in your church. Would you like to come forward now? I mean, I said, what am I supposed to do with that? So I tried to overrule him. How I'm still alive, I don't know. And, and then, do you know, this is the honest truth, folks. This is the honest truth. You know, then he said to me, it's my mercy, Mike, not my judgment. And for a moment, there were like a few, it might have been only a few seconds, he just opened a window in my heart to his compassion. And I just wanted to weep. And it was just a few moments, it was like agony. And he said, it's not my judgment, it's my mercy. So I just said, forgive me if this is wrong, but I wonder if there's someone here, you're having an affair with a pastor in your church. It's his mercy, it's not his judgment, he loves you. If at any time, You want to come, my friend Ali will be standing by the side of the stage. Just come and say to her during the meeting or at the end of the meeting, or if you can't tomorrow afternoon, uh, go to the chat room and tell someone. At the end of the meeting, this young lady, 19 years old, she uh, came forward in floods of tears. She said, it's me. She said, I'm having an affair with the youth pastor in our church, and he's married with three children. And every time I've tried to get out of it, he keeps telling me how it's the right thing and, and I'm, I mustn't leave him and this is fine and, and this is good. And she said, and I feel so ashamed. I haven't been able to tell anyone. I feel so. And she said, I nearly didn't come to this because I feel so ashamed. And then she said, and this is absolutely true, and then she said, as I was driving here, I said to the Lord, Lord, if you want me out of this relationship, you're going to have to tell someone on the platform about me because I can't say. I can't say. And then the next few days at Momentum, your mum and dad prayed for her every day and met her. And she was out of that relationship and she's restored and set free. And I think if I'd have got it wrong, no one would have died if it's the Lord. And do you know what I've noticed? Every time, every time he speaks, every time he moves, it's a display of his love, every time. And it's always in vulnerability. My power is made perfect in weakness. Don't think God can't use you. I've got so many issues. There's no point me going for counselling because I'd spend the rest of my life and half of eternity in counselling. You know, I'm going to walk into heaven with a limp, you know, and I've had counselling, but it was too many, um, there isn't anyone competent enough to deal with my issues. And, uh, but you know what? But I decided in my brokenness, in my weakness, in my, in my not knowing what I'm doing, I would just go for it. And I have been amazed And God wants to use you, and he speaks to you. But we think it's in a loud voice, but it's not. It's a gentle whisper. And in order to hear his voice, I used to think you'd have to dial up. I used to think you'd have to go, but you don't. You dial down. You dial down. And then came the gentle whisper, the still, small voice. Be still and know that I am God. And you know what? There's ways we can say it. We don't have to say... The Lord has spoken to me about thee. You know, let, you know, I love what Pete said at the beginning. You know, I, I think God hates religion more than we do. You know, he really does. He's into relationship. He's into friendship. And you get to hold his hand. I'll just, I'll just tell you one last story, if that's all So I'll see you. And you're a nice man, aren't you? Uh, and and um, and uh, the, the, actually, that's just two very quick ones. And and, and no, and this—they're the, both from this last summer. And uh, just in, in, in one of our Soul Survivor um, festivals, just this thought came into my head: there's someone here for whom the name Roger is significant. And uh, and it was Roger's damaged, and I just said, Roger's damaged you. And you're confused. You don't know what to do, and you've been praying. You've been even praying about it and thinking about it today. And uh, and if that's you, if you'd like to, could you come forward? Because we'd love to pray for you. This young lady came forward in floods of tears. She ended up in connect with our connect team, which is our Christian social workers and police, because it was serious. I had a text uh, late that night from one of our social workers, and it's this. Mike, the girl you had a word about concerning Roger has been groomed and trafficked by him, along with lots of other children. Her mum does not believe her, and so asked her at 16 years to leave home. Tonight, when you had the word, she was amazed. As a result of tonight, she's decided she believes in God, but also that she will give evidence in the case, as even if her mum doesn't believe her, she now knows that God does. Wow. Now, I tell you, it could have been so easy. It didn't feel, it, I didn't feel super spiritual. I didn't feel like, I just felt weak, and God did it. Last one, and we're going to pray. And this kills me from this summer. Um, just the, felt the Lord saying, um, there's, there's someone here. So I said, I think there's someone here. Your name is Brian, and you're not a Christian, and your friends brought you, but you've been cynical about everything, and you've been laughing, and you've been teasing your friends about all that's going on. But what I felt was, I just need to say this, I felt the Lord say to me, there's someone here called Brian who's been cynical, da-da-da, and he's just prayed to me, he's just said to me, "If, if you're real, show me. If you're real, tell me. And I said, just a few seconds ago, Brian, you prayed, no one knows, but you said, for the first time, God, if you're real, I want you to show me. And I said, where are you? And this kid came forward, Brian, and he was crying. And his friends led him to Jesus. And do you know, afterwards, he was walking around, just he was saying, he knows my name. He knows my name. He knows who I am. It's his his kindness, it's his kindness. The reason we've got to do this is there's a broken world out there, let alone in here. And they need to know the kindness and the gentleness and the compassion and the love and the mercy of God. And they need to know that he knows their name. They need to know that he knows their name. They need to know that he knows the worst things about them and loves them to bits and wants to redeem them, and rescue them, and set them free. I could tell you loads more stories. And, and, and there are ones. I mean, there's a couple of hilarious ones where I got it wrong, but we haven't got time for that, thank goodness. <laughs> um, thank goodness. But do you know, but it's like, honestly, I mean, look at me. I'm a big, fat, hairy Greek that struggles to control his weight and struggles with all sorts of other things that aren't so obvious. I just know that it's not about me, it's about him, and it's about being available, and that's why this ministry is not for the super spiritual, it's not for the super super great, the super sorted, it's for broken people, and we get to walk on the water, and hold hands with our saviour, and see him do the most amazing things. It's a joy. I won't get the chance to say it later. I've. I've I can't believe it's taken him all this time to invite me to come, <laughs> you know. You know, sometimes when I met him, I've said, I've said um, oh, how's your church going? Oh, yeah, 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 it's going fine. And, uh, oh, right, so do you, do you have visiting speakers? Yeah, we sometimes have visiting speakers. <laughs> uh, 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 and it's like, oh, really, really? And, um, and the thing is, if, I, mean, I don't want to be critical, okay? <laughs> no, 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 because I'm, I'm sure... Deep down, you're a nice person. But um, I, I, don't know that, I don't know that I'll get another invitation for, well, the next time, I'll probably be, I'll probably be in the coffin. Um, and so I don't do this everywhere I go, but I've enjoyed this so much that, um, that um, I, um, I, I hereby invite myself back. And um, no, hold on. Hold on. It gets better. And I've just accepted my invitation. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Why don't we we pray? (laughs) (laughs) And Father, Father, we love you. We love you, Father. We love your ways. We love your name. We love you, Father. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you move in this place? Lord, we do not not command you, we do not demand, we have no right. We humbly invite you. Lord, blow on us, breathe on us, your breath, your ruach, your breath of life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit we wait for you now just for a while just wait for him don't worry about anyone else don't (coughs) don't try and do anything just wait he's beginning to rest on some of you now